0: Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 26 and verses 36 to 46. Our message series is called Lead Me to the Cross. Uh, And together we are following Jesus in his last days to the cross. Today we come to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus wrestles in prayer as he prepares to take those final steps to the cross. And I want you to know that this was a true struggle for Christ in the garden. Up to this point, Jesus has been firm and resolute in all of his actions. We've seen how he's shown himself to be the one in charge. He has been unwavering in his determination to follow the Father's leading all the way to the cross. But now something different happens here at Gethsemane. And at Gethsemane, we see Jesus come the closest to reversing course. So far, Jesus has been clearly saying in all of his words and actions, Father, lead me to the cross. But at Gethsemane, Jesus almost, that's a very important word, almost. He doesn't get there. He almost comes to that point of saying, don't lead me to the cross. We'll look at that. And there's a lesson here for all of us on temptation and prayer as we look at this passage together. So I'm just going to read the first three verses as we get started, verses 36 through 38. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Matthew 26, beginning at 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is the word of God. Let us pray, dear Lord. Speak to us now through your word. Open our hearts to hear what your spirit would say. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. As we begin the message today, I want you to do something for me. Today's message is on uh, temptation and prayer, and so I want you to think about temptation for a moment. But not just temptation in general. I want you to think specifically. What specific temptations are you dealing with in your life right now? What are your temptations? When are you tempted? How strongly are you tempted? And how well are you doing at fighting temptation? Another thing as we start today, please do not think that you are the only one here today who is experiencing temptation. The Bible says temptation is common to all, and trust me, everyone experiences temptation okay so we're all going through that together what we want to look at today is how do we fight back and especially the importance and role of prayer in fighting temptation it's interesting on the way to Gethsemane, the disciples all, all of them they all boasted they all boasted how they would never desert jesus and Alfred Plummer, in his commentary on Matthew, he notes the following contrast between Jesus and his disciples. He writes this: "The disciples are so sure of their own strength that they will not allow the possibility of failure, even when they are forewarned of it by Christ." Now, by contrast, the Son of Man is so conscious of the weakness of his humanity that he prays to the Father, that he may be spared the approaching trial. He feels the need of being strengthened by prayer. Look at that contrast. The disciples, proud, confident in themselves, we'll never desert you. Jesus, the son of God, son of man in his humanity, I need God's strength. I need to pray. As we study these verses together, I want us to look at three truths in particular. In fact, if you look in your worship guide, you'll Find an outline in there. I encourage you to take that out at this time, to follow along, maybe jot down some notes. But you'll find the three truths there. Number one, temptation can be overwhelming. We're going to talk about that. Number two, prayer is key to overcoming temptation. And number three, the moment of temptation will come. Ready or not, it's coming. We'll talk about that as well. Let's begin with truth number one. Temptation can be overwhelming. Temptation can be overwhelming. And we certainly see this with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows that he faces an extraordinarily difficult time and so he makes sure that he brings his disciples with him for support. Uh, Look with me now at verses 36 and 37. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter, And the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, Jewish law required Jesus and his disciples to stay in Jerusalem or its surrounding area on the night of the Passover. And so they don't go back to Bethany. Remember, all night, all week long, they've been going back to Bethany each night. Uh, Instead, this night, Jesus leads them to the Garden of Gethsemane, just within the city limits. When they get there, Jesus uh, takes most of the disciples and uh, puts them in one area. He goes on further to pray, and he brings Peter, James, and John with him, deeper into the garden. Now, Peter, James, and John, they, they, those were Jesus' inner three, right? These were the three disciples closest to Jesus. On several occasions, we see Jesus taking those three and separating from the rest, and, and uh, they get to see things or witness things that the other disciples do not. Jesus had taken these three with him to the Mount of Transfiguration where they witnessed his true deity as God. Now he takes the same three with him deep into the garden where they will witness his true humanity as man. Matthew tells us that Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled and this is where Jesus' passion officially begins. The word sorrowful here uh, means grief or inward pain. This word troubled is a word that speaks of extreme distress. If you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, it is no accident that that movie begins where? It opens in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because this is where Jesus' final sufferings began. Even before he came to the cross. Now, Jesus has brought his disciples with him for support, and and so he reveals his inner struggle to Peter, James, and John. We see this in verse 38. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And this word "overwhelmed" it's a word that speaks of deep grief and sorrow. Such a sorrow. Jesus, he's overwhelmed. In his humanity, Jesus is overwhelmed to the point of death. This tells us the severity of Jesus' trial. He is being pressed to the limit here. It is instructive to note that the word Gethsemane literally means oil press. That's what the word means, oil press. An oil press was this huge stone that was used to crush the olives. You just push it down crush the olives to produce the oil. And here at Gethsemane, Jesus is crushed and overwhelmed with sorrow as he is pressed to his very limits. Now temptation can be overwhelming to any of us, right? But what Jesus experienced at Gethsemane goes far beyond anything you or I have ever experienced in this life or ever will experience. Jesus' sorrow, his suffering, the abandonment, this is all part of his passion. This is all part of the suffering that he must undergo on our behalf. And when it comes to the suffering, Jesus doesn't cheat here, okay? If he is to truly suffer and die for sin, then he must experience true suffering and true death. And so Jesus will not coast through these trials as some type of superhuman. No, rather he will suffer his way through them as a true human being. And because Jesus was pressed to his limits when he was tempted, that means Jesus knows what it's like when you are pressed to your limits. Hebrews 2.18 says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus told the disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. He shares his sorrow with the disciples that they might be there with him, that they might watch him. Why? Because temptation can be overwhelming. So he asks them for their help. He longs for their support. This brings us to our next truth, our second truth, which is that prayer is the key to overcoming temptation. And we see this once again in the contrasting actions of Jesus and his disciples. Basically, Jesus prays while the disciples sleep. Jesus prays, the disciples sleep. Let's pick up the story now, verse 39. Going a little farther, uh, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. So what do you do when you are overwhelmed with grief and sorrow? You take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what Jesus does here. He went to his Father in prayer. He fell with his face to the ground, showing extreme earnestness in prayer. I don't always fall on my face when I'm praying to God. Sometimes I pray while walking, sometimes sitting, sometimes standing, sometimes kneeling. But you know, when you fall on your face before God, you humble yourself before Him. It shows you are desperate for an answer, and you show your complete dependence on Him and Him alone. Jesus fell with His face to the ground, and He prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And although all things are possible for God, it's important to understand not all things are within god's will this is one of the lessons that we take away from gethsemane even though all things are possible for god what we pray for is not always possible according to his will that's a hard lesson for us to learn in prayer and it's a far cry from the prosperity gospel which wrongly teaches uh, that suffering is never part of god's will Jesus prayed, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And the cup in scripture refers to God's judgment and punishment poured out for sin. And this cup, this pouring out of God's punishment for sin, this is the real reason For Jesus' distress and anguish, it's not just that he was facing death, that's hard, and death on a cross, that's really hard. But you know, other men had died before, other men had gone to the cross. No, it's what the cross meant for Jesus that caused him such distress. Jesus was not merely going to die, but he would die for sin. And not for his own sin, but for the sins of the world. And so it was not just the death, but it was the kind of death that he faced, paying the penalty for sin, suffering the wrath of God his Father for all of our sins. And Jesus was counting on his disciples to help him through this, to watch with him. But what do we read? Verses 40 and 41, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So much for us to unpack here. The disciples abandoned Jesus at the time of his greatest need. Jesus asked them a simple thing. Just watch with me. Watch and pray. They all fall asleep. Earlier that evening, they had all sworn their undying loyalty to Christ. Peter Peter had said, hey, Jesus, even if all of the others fall away, I never will. Remember those proud words of Peter? I believe that's why Jesus addresses this rebuke to all three of them, but primarily to Peter. Notice how he speaks directly to him. Peter had good intentions. He usually did. They had trouble following through. The word Jesus uses for temptation here can mean either temptation or trial. The two go together. In our temptations, we are tempted to fall into sin. In our trials, we are tempted to abandon our trust in God. Jesus told Peter, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Like Peter, we often have good intentions, don't we? But our follow through, it's just not there. We're weak. And a willing spirit, folks, that's a good start, but it is not enough. We must also pray if we are going to overcome temptation. And that's because our bodies are weak. You know, the Holy Spirit has come to live within us, and the Spirit gives us good desires, but our bodies betray us. And the good news is that one day these bodies are going to be raised from the dead. They're going to be raised new, powerful, glorious bodies that will gladly yield to the Spirit's desires, and then we will sin no more. And so in Gethsemane, Jesus demonstrates victory of the Spirit over the body, while the disciples demonstrate victory of the body over the Spirit. Jesus prays while the disciples sleep. Notice that even in his extreme sorrow, Jesus prays for the Father's will to be done. We saw his first prayer already back in verse 39. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Notice that Jesus never prayed that he would not do the Father's will. He never got there. That would have been sin. He never praised that. He only asked, is there another way? And that's the closest Jesus comes to saying, don't lead me to the cross. And then we come to verse 42, his second prayer. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. This request is a little different from the first one. It's subtle, but if you look at your Bible, you'll see the difference. In the first prayer, Jesus prayed, if it's possible... Take this cup away. Second prayer he prays, If it's not possible, may your will be done. In other words, Jesus has progressed from one prayer to the next. He understands there is no way to remove the cup of God's judgment and wrath against sin unless he drinks it himself. And so through prayer, Jesus comes to a resolution in prayer. If there is no other way to save mankind except by my going to the cross, Then, Father, may your will be done. Lead me. Lead me to the cross. Jesus' prayer did not change the outcome, but it did change Jesus. He found strength in prayer. God strengthened him through his prayers. He found strength to accept God's will and to move forward. This is the heart of Jesus' prayer at Gethsemane. He submits in obedience to God the Father. He clearly states his own will in the matter, but then he prays for the Father's will to be done. And folks, that's a good example for us all to follow in prayer. Submit yourself in obedience to God. Feel free to state your own will in the matter, but then say, but God, let your will be done. Jesus prays while the disciples sleep, He prays for the Father's will to be done. And then thirdly, we see that Jesus also persists in prayer. Look at verses 43 and 44. When he came back okay, this is uh, uh, coming back in, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. So he leaves them, I'm going to watch, you know, watch and pray. Goes away, prays, comes back, they're asleep. Wakes them up. Says, you know, know, spirit's willing, body's weak. Watch and pray. Goes away a second time. Comes back, they're asleep. Looks like he doesn't even wake them up this time. (laughs) Just goes away a third time and prays a third time. Saying the same thing. Notice Jesus did not stop praying until he came to a place of peace in God's will. People sometimes ask that question, well, when do you stop praying for something? Not until you have overcome. Not until you have come to the place of trusting God and His will in the matter. A lot of times we give up and we give in far too easily. We need to learn to persist in prayer and pray through to victory. So we've looked at our first two truths so far. Temptation can be overwhelming. Number two, prayer is key to overcoming temptation. That brings us to our third truth, which is this. The moment of trial will come. Trials don't wait until you're ready for them. Have you ever noticed that, right? They come unexpectedly. They come without warning. Ready or not, the moment of trial is going to come. Now, you can and you should pray when that trial comes. Make sure when it comes, you start praying. But if you really want to be ready, what do you need to do? You must pray before the trial comes. Before the trial comes. And in verse 45, we see the disciples arise from their slumber completely unprepared for temptation. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Jesus says the hour is near. The appointed time has come for the appointed betrayal, leading Jesus to his appointed death. And the disciples are not ready. They've been sleeping when they should have been praying. And so Jesus is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Who are these sinners? Well, certainly Judas is included. You've got the religious leaders. You have the temple guards. But you know who else is in there? Us. We're part of that, aren't we? We are all sinners. And it was for our sins that Jesus went to the cross. The disciples arise unprepared for temptation, but Jesus rises ready to face His betrayer. Look at verse 46. He speaks to the disciples Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The temptation in the garden is over. Jesus has emerged victorious. He is strengthened by prayer. He is back on course. He rises ready to face his betrayer. The moment of trial has come. Jesus is ready. Sadly, the disciples are not. I'd like to close this morning with four applications. Once again, they're all on your outline and your worship guide. The first application is this. Watch and pray so you do not fall into temptation. You have an enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Falling into temptation can have serious consequences for your life, for you, for your family, your friends. And if you try to fight temptation in your own strength, apart from prayer, you will surely fail. As Frederick Bruner, another Bible commentator, points out, Peter's three denials in the courtyard... Follow Peter's three naps in the garden. If we do not say our prayers, we cannot resist our temptations. It is that basic. The battle against temptation is one on your knees long before the trial ever comes. We need to watch and pray because we are prone to spiritual sluggishness. What did Jesus say? The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You know what? We can stay awake for things when we want to, or we need to, right? If we have a sick child, or or if we go to a late-night concert, or the ball game's running past midnight, or, or we've got to drive through the night, You know, we at least make the effort, don't we? The disciples could stay up all night fishing, but not praying. If we do not spend time in prayer getting our strength from God and seeking His will first, then we will not be ready when trials or temptations come our way. That's our first application. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Second application is this, seek God's will, not your own. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Remember the title of our message series, Lead Me to the Cross. It's not just God the Father leading Jesus to the cross, but we are led to the cross to take up our own cross And follow Christ. And when you take up your own cross, what do you do? You die to your own desires and you choose to follow God's will rather than your own. Jesus grew more accepting of God's will through prayer, and you can too but only if you are seeking God's will. That's what Jesus was doing. He was seeking God's will. Only if you're seeking God's will and not your own. Remember, prayer does not not always change the outcome, but prayer will always change you. So here's the test question for you. Which is more important? Which would you rather have, that prayer change the outcome or prayer change you? You know what? I guess it all depends on whether you're praying for your will to be done or God's will to be done. Asking God to lead you to the cross means you seek God's will, not your own. Application number three. Don't give up. Be persistent in prayer. When do you stop praying? Not until you have overcome. Even Jesus. Jesus went back. He prayed three times in the garden. He did not stop until he came to a settled confidence in God's will and was ready to face his betrayer. Be persistent in prayer. And then finally, number four, such an important one. We are all stumbling disciples. Lean on God's grace. The disciples abandoned Jesus, but Jesus never abandoned his disciples. Jesus died for sleeping disciples like you and me who fail him repeatedly. So lean on his grace. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. But if you do sin, you have one who speaks to the Father in your defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for our Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord Jesus, when we think of your sufferings we immediately turn to the cross but your final sufferings began here. Lord Jesus, in your humanity, you were overwhelmed with sorrow. But you found your strength in prayer. I thank you, Jesus, that you understand our weaknesses and what we go through and our failings. Lord, help us. It's discouraging a lot of times when we find ourselves falling into the same sins and falling for the same temptations. But I thank you that you have grace with us, that you will never abandon us. And Lord, I pray that in those times that we fall, we'll recognize our weakness and that it will just drive us to prayer, that we might gain the strength we need for the next time. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being such a beautiful wonderful Savior. We love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.